Welcome. Hey, oh, now you can hear me. Thank you for coming. And uh, it's good to see you. Good to be here on this brisk November morn. Uh, the snow. Doesn't that make you happy you live in Michigan? <laughs> so uh, we are beginning the series on Thanksgiving. And we're going to be looking at gratitude, grace, and generosity. And so, of course, it's Thanksgiving week. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Uh, this Thursday we'll be celebrating a uh, national holiday established uh, to uh, commemorate uh, Thanksgiving, thankfulness to the Lord uh, for all that He's given us as a people and as a nation. <clears throat> also taking this time to look into the area of uh, Thanksgiving and uh, to... Um, Examine uh, what it means, what biblical thankfulness is all about, and also uh, not only thanksgiving but uh, um, generosity and, and giving. And so, <clears throat> what the idea of the series is that God wants all of us to be uh, thankful. He wants us to be filled with thanksgiving, uh, and He wants everyone to be generous, to be to give faithfully, and and. The, the intent of the series is to un, understand the connection between those two ideas. Um, and so we're going to take a few weeks to discuss this. Some of you may recall, maybe I shouldn't mention this, but just in case you do, I did do a series on Thanksgiving last year, <clears throat> and it was the same same topics, although I'm reworking the, ser- the ser- sermons and, and uh, I'm trying to hone it a little better. And it's just something that we need to review from time to time because I believe it's so important. So this morning is going to be uh, just about the idea of gratitude and, and thanksgiving and what is meant by that. But the goal for the series is that we would see an increase in tithing. And what I'm going to talk in a couple of weeks about what tithing means, the biblical understanding of it, what is New Testament tithing, and we'll, we'll talk about giving proportionately of your income to the Lord. But... Beyond that, I'm also hoping to share a challenge that I feel challenged personally and, and, and to share uh, a challenge the church to consider of uh, giving an additional percentage of your income to mission and to alms. And actually, scripturally, alms is probably recorded, uh, there's probably more, I haven't studied this, but there's probably more commands to give to alms in Scripture than there is uh, of any other kind of giving. And, and alms is giving to the poor. Uh, and as Christians, as individuals, the Bible commands us to give to the poor. And so we need to find ways to do that. One way, this is not the only way, but one way is that you can do that through the church. Um, and, and missions is specifically uh, uh, supporting those who are in the mission field, either domestically or internationally foreign. Um, and the idea just came, you know, if, 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 if ten Christians gave one percent, I mean, so if you make $500 and you tithe $50 and you gave an extra $5 toward the mission, but if that accumulated... Um, for every ten Christians, no, that'd be for every for every hundred Christians, we could have a full-time missionary. Did my math wrong? <laughs> but you know, we don't pay the salary for even one full-time missionary, even though right now, um, uh, how New Day works, there's about a dozen people 
Uh, I had Tori run some numbers and pull out some reports. And there's about a dozen people who uh, uh, give uh, and indicate toward mission and or alms. Uh, but as a church, we take, since I've been the pastor, we've taken between 20 to 25% of the uh, general fund money given to the church uh, to support outside works. And so we're demonstrating this principle. But if in addition to that, if, if we were to get... <clears throat> Some of us to to designate an additional one percent, and uh, you know, I, I, I'm not laying this on you as a burden, as a challenge. Like, just think of what we could do, uh, the difference that we could make. It could be substantial, and the alms that we could establish uh, a significant outreach to the poor. Uh, one thing I have a vision for, I've been talking about it for a while, is having a food bank here. We do collect food. We give that to local food banks or the local uh, uh, distribution center, and that's great. But we could, in addition to that, uh, have something available for our community. And so that would be a great, um, I think, resource both here in Vandalia. And so, it, um, so consider that. Be praying about that. The vision is to increase the number of people who are faithful tithers to this church. The tithe provides for the ministry of this church. And so it uh, provides for the building, the heating building. Aren't you glad it's warm? You know, in this room, right? That's because you guys have been faithful and we have a nice place and all the stuff that we need to make things work. And, and you are a generous church. We are a really generous church and a giving church. But uh, it's good to understand the vision, why we're doing it. <clears throat> Alright, so the first scripture we're going to look at is First uh, uh, Thessalonians 5.18. And it says in the New King James, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And in the New Living Translation, it writes it this way. It says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. Don't you love it when God just tells His will clearly? You know, how many times have you prayed, Oh, if I could just know the will of God. Well, here it is. It's the will of God. But let's look at what this word means. The will of God is to be thankful. Uh, the Strong's is a Greek dictionary. It's a, a word that takes the Greek words and gives you the definition of them in the English language. And so it means to be grateful. And so um, the, the to be aspect is a heart condition. How many here have a heart condition? <laughs> so, not, not like the heart condition I had two years ago. <laughs> uh, uh, it's a heart condition. It's, 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 it's being grateful. In our heart, we are grateful. And that is actually to express gratitude. So, in the definition, there's two aspects. Uh, there's the aspect of being grateful and expressing it. So, saying thank you is one way to be grateful. Right? Uh, that would probably be the simplest, easiest way when someone gives you something or does them, oh, thank you. You know, just saying the words thank you. Very powerful words. But having, our, our, really, I hope by the end of the sermon today, is that you understand it's much bigger than that. <clears throat> it's expressing gratitude in many different ways. Understanding, that's what the word means in, uh, the, in Greek. And I looked it up in the Webster's Dictionary the word grateful and it's from the word gratis which is the same word that we get grace alright having a due sense of benefits kindly disposed towards one uh, from whom a favor has been received willing to acknowledge and receive uh, willing to acknowledge and repay benefits 
as a grateful heart. And so the fact that it is the same root word, that gratitude and gratefulness is from the same word as grace. Alright? It's the same root meaning. It's an expression, really. What that tells us is that it is an expression of grace. Gratitude is an expression is an expression of grace. Amen. But let's look at this a little different way. This connection between gratitude and thankfulness and grace. <clears throat> How powerful is grace? Saved a wretch like me. It saved a wretch like her. <laughs> that was a joke. That's my wife. <laughs> saved a wretch like right, right. We went. We we went from being spiritually dead, right? right, to becoming alive in Christ by grace. You have been what? Saved. Saved. Wow! And you know what? It is grace that's going to take your dead body. You know your body is going to die. Yeah, it's showing signs. You're going to be buried when Jesus comes back. That dead body is going to come up out of the ground or out of the wherever it is scattered about. God's going to recreate your body. It's going to be a new creation. And your, your, your spirit is going to live inside a body that will never die. And the power that's going to accomplish the resurrection is grace. Alright? By grace we have been saved, and salvation is that we we live eternally in a resurrected body. And so the fact is that gratitude, which is an expression of grace, has that much power. That's what I want you to to understand that that it's uh, that's the meaning we're getting to. It also it means having a due sense of benefits, kindly disposed. Um, uh, gratitude, that's that heart condition again that we saw in the Greek definition, that we're kindly disposed. We recognize that we've received something from someone. And so we're thankful. And this is just, this as a side note, <clears throat> not that I need them. I didn't finish my sermon either last night or this morning in first service, so I shouldn't add something. But, <clears throat> but I'm doing it, she said. Um, uh, this is a problem of atheism. Huh. If we talk to an atheist, is that people inherently have a sense of gratitude when they experience something that is awe-inspiring. So they experience a beautiful uh, sunset. How many times have you been on the beach, you watch a sunset, and everybody starts clapping? Yeah. Have you ever that? It's yeah. great. I love it. It's great, you know? Uh, and, and there's a sense of gratitude. An atheist cannot explain that. Because there's no logical explanation to have a sense of gratitude for some random act of, of physics. Okay? What are you thankful for? But gratitude is one of the proofs of the existence of God if you want to think it all through. But, uh, <clears throat> um, but this gratitude, we're actually thankful and we want to express that. And so it's uh, coming out of a heart condition. And it includes the idea of acknowledging. So expressing that through uh, words by saying thank you or, or other things. Uh, and then, then part of the actual definition of the, of the word in the dictionary is a, a desire to repay. 
the benefits. So along with being grateful, there's a sense that we want to give back in some way. Alright, and that's the generosity. That's how my sub, that's why my subtitle is, uh, giving grace and generosity, is that it's really one thing. We break it up into two separate things. It's actually the biblical idea spans all of them from the heart condition, <clears throat> uh, from gratitude to grace to generosity. A heart condition of gratitude, the power of grace, and then the, desi- and then the ac- activity of generosity. <clears throat> uh, uh, we're commanded in that verse to be thankful in every circumstances. <clears throat> um, it's interesting, though, that it doesn't mean that we're thankful for every circumstance. And there's a big distinction. You can find yourself in circumstances that you're not thankful for. That verse is often misunderstood as... Um, well, I have to give thanks for this circumstance because it's God's will for my life. No, that's not what that verse says. It says, in every circumstance, give thanks for that is the will of God for your life. The, the will of God is the giving of, is being grateful. Does that make sense? So you can be in a horrible situation that actually might be at contrary to the will of God. Alright? Uh, and you actually might be put there on purpose because the influence of, of the kingdom in you is, is, is meant to change what's going on. Wow. Alright? You're God's agent in that circumstance. But you won't have the power to change if you have a bad attitude. Alright? And so having the right attitude, having an attitude of gratitude in the midst of a circumstance that's not pleasant actually can empower you to change the circumstance. Right? But it's very important that we understand that the command is to be thankful, to be in this place of having gratitude and expressing gratitude to God regardless of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. <clears throat> All right. Uh, so what circumstances do you find yourself in that, you are, you know, that it's easy to be thankful for? Keep in mind, and, and uh, when you are in those kind of circumstances, express that gratitude and learn ways to express it uh, creatively. But then also ask yourself, well, what circumstances might you find yourself in that you're not thankful for? You know, or it's difficult to be thankful in these circumstances. And uh, uh, the, the command of Scripture that we read there in Thessalonians is that we can find a way that in the midst of those circumstances, we can be grateful. Uh, we can be grateful that we have a Father that we can turn to yeah. that understands how difficult this is. We can be grateful that we have uh, um, a, a, a God that we can pray to that hears our prayers and, are, and, are, and is able to, to make uh, a change. You know, there's so many things that we can be grateful even in the midst of difficult um, circumstances. I actually see, I think gratitude is like a... Um, uh, a good image for gratitude is soil. <clears throat> the quality of soil determines the quality of crops. There's a, a direct correlation between how good the crops are uh, based on how good, the, even your garden, you know, or even your lawn. How many of how many have ever t- had their lawn tested where you take a soil sample and you take it in and they test and they say, oh, you need this, you need to add this to your lawn. How, anybody ever done that? 
You're supposed to do that, you know, if you're having problems with your lawn. <laughs> I've never done it either. <laughs> I finally figured out how to have a great lawn. You hire True Green. <laughs> True Green, really. 40 bucks every few months. I have a yard, I don't have a lawn. <laughs> you have a yard, you have a lawn. <laughs> so, anyway. So, even in grass, the quality of the grass is dependent on the chemical makeup of the soil. And if it's not right, it just doesn't grow. <clears throat> Well, up here, this, this land, we have 20 acres here, and this is some of the worst soil I've ever seen in my life, okay? When we were building, the, you can see if you go back into the middle of the property, there's actually furrows where someone had tried to, to and when we were building this building, I was talking to the excavator, and he was laughing, he said that that farmer just gave up because this soil is the most horrible stuff. Um, it's, it's clay and rocks. Uh, it's actually a really good gravel pit. There's a gravel pit almost in every direction of where we are. This is one of the best. There's a stream of gravel right here. Uh, <clears throat> we could probably sell this land to be a, turn it into a gravel pit. <laughs> but it's not good for growing anything but weeds. Weeds grow really well. But it's clay, and so when it's, when it's uh, wet, it just becomes sticky. And like, like, like really sticky, you can't do anything with it, there's nothing, in it. it's just horrible. And when it's dry, it's hard as rock. It, uh, you take a shovel, if it's dry in the summer, and you try to dig a hole, and it's like, <clears throat> it does not go in, even a quarter of an inch. You have to, you have to get a, a pickaxe. <clears throat> and so whenever we need to dig a hole, we have to time it just right, so it's not too wet, but it's not too dry, and we, we dig a hole. We planted trees, they all died. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but the, the land down in Vandalia, where we're doing a trip, man, it's like the Fertile Crescent. You know, the hills are just covered with crops, and, and that's really good uh, dirt down there, and the soil uh, is able to produce fantastic crops, and so they're, they're known for uh, uh, the, their farming, uh, uh, not for their gravel pits. <laughs> and so, just like in the natural, the natural condition, of the soil determines what comes out of that. It's the same in a person's soul, same in our, our spiritual. That natural reality tells us a spiritual picture that what comes out of a person is dependent on what's in their heart. And Jesus actually said this in Matthew 12:34. He said, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. And we can know what our, a person's heart condition is, and you can know what your heart condition is by listening to the words that come out of your mouth. Uh, it reveals what the heart condition is. What I'm talking about is understanding that reality and learning how to to nurture our hearts to, so that we're living filled with uh, gratitude that produces thanksgiving. All right? Our hearts are intended, commanded really, by God to be filled <clears throat> with gratitude and that, that gratitude then expresses itself with uh, thanksgiving. So I'd ask, you know, what's the soil of your heart like? Uh, and this is going to be different for different people. <clears throat> is it fertile ground? Is it something that when a seed falls into it, it's easily worked into the soil? There's moisture that it can sprout and grow and produce something good uh, uh, for the Lord, for others? Or is it hard like the dirt here is in the middle of the summer when there's no rain? Or is it sticky? Is it 
clumpy. Uh, you know, it's hard to work with. Uh, and uh, what can you do to change your heart? And there are ways. Uh, God has given us many, many ways that we can have our hearts transformed uh, through Scripture, through prayer, through receiving ministry. That's one of the reasons we're here, is to learn God's Word, because God's Word has the power to transform our heart. And God's intention is that our hearts become fertile so that it can reproduce what He's uh, given us. Which leads us to the idea of generosity. Okay, generosity is the act that flows from gratitude. Thankfulness in return stimulates generosity. And so if you're grateful, you're in this heart condition, uh, and you're, and you're expressing thanksgiving, out of that, uh, gratitude <clears throat> is the act of generosity. You want to repay, you want to give back. But the act of generosity, you know, uh, actually generates thankfulness in return. And that thankfulness, okay, provokes more gratitude, which stimulates more generosity, all right? And so what you have is a benevolent uh, uh, cycle. Um, People can actually give for many different reasons. Uh, You might give out of pride. You know, and I'm not talking just about in church. But people give donations for many, many... I have no idea. Every year or so, some rich person dies and leaves millions of dollars to Western Michigan University or other state universities. That's the government, you know. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with it. But it always blows me away. it's, It's not like Western doesn't really need any more land. Do you know how much land Western owns? They have so much land, they don't know what to do with it. Alright? Um, <clears throat> really, they do. But people don't, because they don't have anything better to give it to. I'm like, wow. Uh, or they, they set up foundations to further their name. And that's good, that's fine. There's lots of good reasons why they, they might do it. Maybe good, maybe be bad. Uh, people may give to attract attention. They want to show off or something like that, maybe unconsciously. Sometimes people give to manipulate. Let's, let's think about our political system just for a moment. You know? You, ever, you think there's some giving there for manipulation? You better believe it. You know, everybody has, um, what do they call those people that work? Lobbyists. Lobbyists, right? And lobbyists have millions of dollars and they're, they're constantly funneling money so that they get their issue to be considered. All right? <clears throat> Uh, so there's lots of different ways. Fear can be a reason. A lot of, a lot of people give in church because they're afraid that if they don't, God's going to punish them. And that's not a legitimate, it's not a biblical reason. Uh, fear is not why God wants you to give uh, to church or to the poor or anything. Um, not to say that there isn't a proper place for fear of God. But that's not the motivation it needs to come out of because that's not good soil. All right. Even obligation, giving because I have to. There's a New Testament verse about giving that actually says, don't give out of obligation. We'll get to that in a few weeks when, when we get to that point. Um, and duty, which is a good thing. It's my duty. Honorable. It's honorable. Duty is honorable. But that's not, still not, 
the soil out of which the best giving comes, the best soil is gratitude, this acknowledgement that we've received. Alright, generosity doesn't have any hidden motive. It gives simply out of gratitude. So a generous heart gives out of gratitude, not looking for anything in return. It's just an expression of the grace we've received. It's an expression of the gratitude that we have in our heart. I see Thanksgiving as an attitude of gratitude plus the actions of generosity. That's my definition of uh, the term thanksgiving. <clears throat> and the idea is, and the reason we took so much time to delve into what the, the actual words mean, is that, yeah, thanksgiving, it's not just talking about giving thanks, like saying thank you. But in the word itself is the idea of gratitude, thankfulness, and giving, which is generosity. Alright? That's kind of like one of the big points. Everybody say, okay. okay. Alright, thanks. Otherwise, I, keep to, I have to talk until I, I, I think you hear it. <laughs> so by God's design, our giving releases blessing, and the blessing produces more thanksgiving, and the thanksgiving produces more giving, and on and on and on it goes, and that's the benevolent cycle that uh, we get in. There's many benevolent cycles, and it's really good in life to find benevolent cycles, sow into those benevolent cycles, because a benevolent cycle that means that when you do something something good returns out of it that causes something better to happen which causes you to do something and so you sow into that and all begins with the heart condition of gratitude <clears throat> all right thanksgiving giving of thanks having this act attitude of gratitude and acts of generosity can uh, attitude of gratitude expressions of thanksgiving and acts of generosity can literally transform the ad, uh, the atmosphere around you <coughs> i really 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 believe this i know it all right if you have this operating in your life it can change the atmosphere around you. A testimony from my son. I get to brag on my, my kids because uh, I get to stand in front of here and talk. So, <clears throat> but uh, William was homeschooled up until this year and he's, he went into public school in Portage Northern. And uh, uh, so it's really fun. We, we went to the first parent teacher conference. And so, us long term homeschoolers, we've homeschooled for what, 20 years? Almost. <laughs> we get to go into the enemy's camp. <laughs> it's just a joke. It's a, it's a homeschooler joke. <laughs> um, no, our uh, daughter Emily uh, did a year in, in public school as well, uh, a few years ago. Um, but William's in there, he's doing well in this parent teachers conference. And one of the things we went to each teacher and we were talking about, yeah, well, William's doing great, he's doing this. And they'd, almost everyone would go, you know what? They'd, they'd look at, they'd stop and go, it, you know what? He he says thank you every day. Hmm. They're like, William says thank you every day. He says, like, one, one teacher says, I don't think I've ever heard a student say thank you to me. Hmm. Ever. Hmm. And then this one, student, one teacher, she was the last hour, and she was like, oh, William, oh. <laughs> He just brightens my day. It's the, it's the last hour of the day. I'm, just, I'm usually tired. I've been dealing with kids all day. And, and William, when he's leaving, he says, Thank you. And he, she starts tearing up. And she says, It warms my heart. Wow. I'm like, Wow. Mm -hmm. 
Just to think of how many thousands of students go through Portage Northern all the years. Yeah, I don't know how many. I don't know if the attendance is It's about a thousand, I think. I don't. Do you know how big it is? You know, these teachers have been teachers for years and never heard a kid say thank you. William actually says uh, occasionally he'll hear another student go, "What's he say thank you for?" Yeah. You know? <laughs> and uh, I, we never told him to do that, but I'm telling you what, it's changed how the teachers treat William. Yeah. Right? And it can change how people treat you if, if you learn that lesson, is that just by being grateful and saying it, if you're ever in a store or a restaurant and the, and the clerk or the waitress is having a hard time, rather than making the time harder, by going, jeez, what's taking so long? Just say, hey, thanks. I realize, you know, you're you're swamped right now. Thanks for for working so hard. You know, um, it can it can change. It can really bless them. Uh, if someone comes to you and they're upset, and they're telling you something that you did wrong, you know, what one of the best things to do is just go. First of all, I want to say thank you for sharing that because I realize. You know, it might be a little scary. You know, I appreciate you coming and telling me that. I and I want to say I'm sorry, but just thanking them for expressing. If you're having a disagreement with your spouse, <laughs> and if and if if your spouse says something, accuse an accusation. Which my wife never does. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but if instead of defending, rushing to my dis- defense, or turning the accusation around and saying, "Well, what about you?" If I'd say, if I, if I would say, "Honey, thank you for expressing that. That helps me understand where you're coming from. What do you think is going to happen?" Happy puddle of happy. Yeah. It changes the atmosphere. Okay, so great gratitude and thankfulness is the opposite of defensiveness, and it can shift the atmosphere, and it can take a situation that's potentially confrontational or argumentative and make it happy. All right? Why? Because that's the power of grace. Yeah. All right? Good. And gratitude is, impo- is is releasing the power of grace. I, I'll ask you, oh, how's the atmosphere in your life? You know, um, one of the ways that you can find out what's in you is by seeing how people respond that are around you. All right? Because often you can't see you. All right? But you can see the effect you're having on people around you. And so if people around you are consistently irritated, maybe there's something about you that's irritating. I know it's a a strange thought. If you have a pattern in your life that this happens to me every time, I've had so many friends or people at work and this has happened every time I have, why does it always happen to me like this? Well, it's because you have this issue. People don't want to hear it. But this is a way to figure things out. And so, uh, uh, if you find if you find that um, there's a dynamic, if you observe that, you can intentionally make changes by just saying, "I'm going to choose 
to begin my conversations with gratitude, with thankfulness. I'm going to look for things to be grateful and, and say thanks about uh, to individuals and practice it. And sometimes it takes practice. Sometimes you have to actually do things out of... I just got to actually figure out the right words of how to say things. And, and, and as you do that, the atmosphere changes. And uh, uh, a big part of the atmosphere around you is actually coming from what you're projecting. Um, and not necessarily from the people around you. And recognizing that. And even if you're in a circumstance where it's their fault, you can change that circumstance because the will of God in your life is to be thankful in that circumstance. Right? Remember that's what the Scripture says? And by being thankful, you can produce transformation. Okay, Colossians 3.17, uh, another verse on this uh, same topic. says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God uh, uh, the Father through Him. So here's another command to be continually thankful. It's a command uh, that says, in whatever activity or whatever word uh, we're doing, whatever you do in word or deed, <clears throat> we're to be communicating Thanksgiving. So I think it's an expression uh, 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 of the lifestyle that recognizes that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights above. Right? Uh, the, the scripture in James that, that everything in life really is a gift. And if you understand that, if you understand that so much of our lives is just a gift from our Heavenly Daddy that He's poured out in such abundance, then we're living in that constant state of gratitude toward the Father. That means in every action that we do, we can be expressing that gratitude. So if this Scripture says, whatever you do in word or deed, <clears throat> do it in the name of Jesus, giving thanks. How is your work an expression of gratitude to the Father in whatever work you do. You know, if you're an accountant, if you're a bus driver, if you're, you know, whatever you do, a school teacher, you can actually express gratitude to the Father in Jesus' name in whatever you do. Uh, I believe it. Okay, I believe that this is one of the ways that we can be lights to the world and so that the world can see that the message of gospel, the power of, 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 of the gospel is a power that can tr- transform societies. By being grateful, it changes that. that, that little the, the way I explained earlier about being able to change uh, the atmosphere around you, well, the mission of the church is to change the atmosphere of, of whole cities and whole nations and whole people groups until we actually influence the whole human race. Yeah. All right? Really. Mm-hmm. But we need to get it operating between maybe you and your spouse. <laughs> we need to get it operating between us and our fellow church members or our co-workers. But that, that same dynamic actually is intended by God to be a light to the world. That's what Jesus was talking about back in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, it has the power to do that. Uh, okay. And so when people, when you're around people, what I, a way to evaluate whether this is happening in your life is that when you leave people or after an interaction with, with individuals, are they even aware of the Father? Are they aware that you are a person of gratitude? Wow, oh, that person... Uh, 
And this goes beyond just being a nice person. This is a person that acts and speaks in a way that when people, after they get done interacting with you, they're aware of the Father. Wow. All right? Your gratitude is for Him. So it's a way that we can live our testimony. Well, there's a few enemies. I'm almost done here. There's three enemies I'm going to talk about to gratitude, and we'll end with a scripture. The first enemy is consumerism. <clears throat> consumerism is um, the, uh, our whole society is completely consumeristic. It's where everything is driven to buy, 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 buy. And um, I, I really recently saw an article that really highlighted it was, how long does that new gadget feeling last for you? Right? And so the whole article was like, you know, how long does it last? I just bought this because we lost. If anyone finds our old clicker, please return it. <laughs> <laughs> it disappeared. I don't know what happened to it. But I like this one better. It fits in my hand better. <laughs> it's that new gadget feeling, right? But consumerism, our whole, our whole society is built to sell stuff. Because uh, if we don't keep buying stuff, people will lose their jobs, right? But it's gotten to the place where it's a bulldozer. Right? There's a constant, constant, constant upgrade, 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 upgrade. And our, uh, our culture has bought into it. And so, <clears throat> consumerism, this idea of, um, of just, you know, being picky, basically, and being, you know, constantly needing to have, uh, that, uh, need for something new, something better, something different, satiated. It's 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 gluttony in one sense. Gluttony is food, but it's it's gluttony for stuff. Uh, <clears throat> a constant. I already talked about that. So the world is really good at creating hunger. Right? God gives us contentment. Right? And so you have to look at things <clears throat> uh, uh, from that perspective. And I believe that the ultimate antidote. There is an answer for consumerism. Uh, yeah, uh, and the constant uh, uh, wanting something new, something new, something new, is that, and this is kind of, I don't know, maybe a little radical, but this is how I deal with it, is that in Christ, I'm an heir to all things. Yep. And so, in a very real sense, I own the world. <laughs> okay? <laughs> if you're saved, we are co-heirs with Christ, right? That's Scripture. Jesus owns the world, right? Yep. All right. He inherited it from the, fa- the Father. He, he, he rules over heaven and earth. The whole world is His. I am a co-heir with Christ. So everything that's Christ is mine. So I live as though I own the whole world. Yeah. All right. Now, I may not have possession of all my belongings yet, but I will. All right. <laughs> all right. No, really, it just gives me, it's like, I don't have it yet, but I will. It may not be to the resurrection, but I'll have it. So I don't have to get upset about not... I don't have... You know, there's no need, in a sense. I don't need anything. Because I have everything. There's no striving. It's not only my father has the cattle on a thousand hills. Actually, no, I own own those cattle. You know? I wish I could figure out how to get them. (laughs) But I will when it's time. So this is a heart attitude. If that helps you, great. If not... Find something else. <laughs> Enemy number two, entitlement. Entitlement is a, it's all about your rights. 
Alright? Uh, and you cannot be thankful for something if you think it already belongs to you. Right? And, and this is one of the reasons where, um, you know, there's a lot of political talk about entitlements. Uh, and whether it's right or wrong or you're entitled for something but there's a spirit of entitlement uh, and it doesn't matter what political side of the aisle you're from there's a spirit of entitlement that you, you think uh, this belongs to you that belongs to you um, and you have to uh, constantly look at the things of the world and this is material things as well as you know uh, immaterial things like the respect from other people or how you're treated. You have to look at things from a heavenly perspective. Are they gifts from the Father above or are they enticements from the Father of lies? Okay? You know? And there's this entitlement. There's no gratitude if you have a spirit of entitlement because you think it, you, it, you deserve it. You know, it already is mine. Yeah, why? Yeah, you're mad because you don't have it. Um, that's not that's not gratitude. That's the opposite of gratitude. <clears throat> I believe that the antidote for entitlement is the belief that I don't deserve anything. And in one sense, you think, well, it's kind of contradictory to the previous point, but it's not. It's complementary. All right, Paul said, I know that in me that's in my flesh, is nothing good exists. All right? Uh, nothing good dwells. So, I don't deserve anything. And the fact that I'm a co-heir with Christ is all wow. Yeah. Wow. How did I get in on this? How did I get this? How did I get that? This is amazing. I don't deserve this. Alright? And so it's the opposite of entitlement is a realization that even the smallest things in my life uh, I see as gifts. The third thing, third enemy uh, to gratitude is a spirit of poverty. <clears throat> I wish I could talk more. I could preach a whole sermon on this. But this is believing the lie that you don't have what you need. Uh, um, and this is, this is, it actually doesn't matter how wealthy or how poor you are. There's a, a, a poverty spirit that comes on people that they're constantly in need. They're needy, either emotionally or uh, materially. There's, there's a constant need. There's never enough. Uh, or there's this feeling that there's never enough. That often is what's driving consumerism because they keep trying to buy something to get rid of the feeling that there's not enough. But the real problem is, is that there's a spirit of uh, a poverty spirit. <clears throat> and what it really is is both a demonic that means a devil-inspired, demonic being that's active, or or a fleshly, which means just part of our, our fallen nature, accusation against the goodness of God as Father. Okay, you're projecting onto God the Father that He isn't good enough to provide for all your need. Yeah, it is wild. <laughs> so rather than being grateful, you're actually uh, uh, you're actually a little uh, a kid having a tirade, right? Uh, rather than receiving the gift of gratitude, you're complaining that you didn't get the better gift. Uh, and that and God, see, God's always more interested in your heart condition. You want to know why? Because that's gonna that's gonna affect your eternity. Yeah. All right. And your temporary possessions don't affect your eternity, but your heart condition affects 
your eternity. So a spirit of poverty is almost always rooted in a wound from your past when at some point you blamed God. Almost, It's never consciously. It's always an unconscious um, blaming of usually God, uh, others, or yourself during a time of need or perceived lack um, <clears throat> rather than seeing uh, Jesus as your provider in that experience. In other words, you experience something that's really bad. And I'm not saying that the experience wasn't really bad, uh, but it may have been really bad or it may have just been perceived to be really bad. But in either situation, something hardened in you, like the soil out here gets hardened in the middle of summer and you get angry because you didn't have what you felt you needed and you blamed God. And then the enemy can come in, your flesh can come in and keep using that as a see, you're not going to have enough. You're going to be you're going to be let down. And that hardens into a poverty spirit. And it's an accusation. Rather than seeing, even in that situation, Christ was there providing. His peace was available. His presence was available. His promise was available. You made it through it, didn't you? you know? And even if you died in the middle of it, if you're a believer, you're going to be resurrected and spend eternity with Him. So in all circumstances, you can still have a grateful heart. Does that make sense? The last scripture, we'll end with this. That is, therefore, by Him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise. And this is very important, that it's by Him. We're not just talking about uh, uh, self-help and how to be a nicer people. The power to live a, a life of gratitude comes out of relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It's through the power of His grace that we're enabled in, uh, to to have grateful hearts, to escape the enemy of consumerism, escape the enemy of, uh, of, of uh, entitlement and poverty. It's by Him. <clears throat> he says, let us continually, all the time, offer up sacrifices of praise. And then He explains what that means. The sacrifices of praise is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks, giving thanks to His name. And then He goes on. That's not the end of the verse. The statement, the next statement is, and don't forget to, to, uh, uh, to do good. I can't read the back line here. To do good and to share. <laughs> Alright? So, acts of good. And, uh, it's actually, uh, uh, doing good stuff and sharing, um, is part of the sacrifices. For with such sacrifices, sacrifices of being thankful, doing good, and sharing, giving, generosity, which such sacrifices, God is well pleased. The word share there is the Greek word koinonia, and that's what I'm going to be preaching about, uh, next week. Tori has some announcements. Well, thank you, Pastor Cameron. That was wonderful. All right, well, I have just a couple announcements. First,